So welcome, it's lovely to be with you all uh, on this beautiful sunny afternoon um, to this conversation looking at issues around gender identity, sexual orientation and faith. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful discussion this afternoon, but let's first of all just begin by uh, introducing ourselves. Uh, my name is Christopher Hancock. Uh, I'm a Catholic priest currently working in Merthyr Tydfil. Um, I, I'm originally from Cardiff, but before uh, being assigned to Merthyr, I was the past sort of 13, 14 years in Cameroon in West Africa. Uh, so that's me. Um, Farina, would you like to uh, say something about yourself? Uh, I will. Thank you. My name is Farina. My pronouns are she and her. I'm here to represent Hidayah today, who are an LGBT plus Muslim uh, charity in the UK. Um, I'm residing in Cardiff, uh, and uh, in terms of my, my, my other part of my identity is I identify as a queer uh, Muslim. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Farina. Uh, Anjum, please. You're very welcome. Thank you. Hi, thanks so much. Um, my name is Anjum. I am uh, also, my pronouns are she and her, and I am a trustee of a charity called Imam Muslim LGBTQI Group. And we are a charity that supports LGBTQI Muslims. We were founded in 1999 in London, and we're also a campaigning group to make sure that no Muslim person in Britain feels excluded from their family, their faith, or their communities. And we are a small volunteer-led charity. And we aim to represent the breadth of the Islamic faith and the range of identities and narratives, or narratives of the LGBT uh, QI community and our allies. And um, thank you so much for having us here today. Thank you, Anjum. And uh, Delith. Hi. Hi, I'm Delith Liddell. Um, I am here representing The Gathering, uh, which is a, a small um, church charity that is based in Cardiff. Um, we are a church for LGBT folks. We're an inclusive church. Um, and really uh, the place where we tend to invite people, um, if they've been hurt by other churches, they can come to us and just know that they're going to be safe. It's a safe space. Um, and uh, can explore their faith in uh, relation to their sexuality or their gender. We're a small charity, um, much like Iman, and uh, I think one of our key aims is to try and help the Christian church to understand that it is okay to be LGBTQI and Christian. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Delith. And uh, Dahlia, welcome. Hi, uh, I'm Dahlia. Uh, I'm the executive director of Keshet UK. Uh, we work within the Jewish community, that being Orthodox, Reform, Liberal, Mazorti, cross-communal, to uh, create a world where no one is forced to choose between their Jewish and LGBT plus identities. So we're an education and training charity, so we work with Jewish schools, youth movements, synagogues and communal organisations to ensure that Jewish LGBT plus people and our families have the experience we're expecting to have when we engage with any part of the Jewish community in the UK. Thank you very much. And lastly, Sarah, well, you're very welcome. Hello, thanks, Christopher. Hello, everyone. Um, yep, I'm Sarah Jones, and currently I'm the vicar of um, the Church in Wales Parish right in the city centre of Cardiff. So that's St John the Baptist um, right in the uh, centre of Cardiff. I was ordained in the Church of England and uh, was the first person to be uh, ordained having previously made a gender change. So I've been ordained now um, about uh, 16 years, I think, and I came to Cardiff about 18 months ago. 
So you're all very welcome. There's obviously a great uh, depth of uh, experience and a great range of experience as well uh, in this panel. So I'm looking forward to this discussion. So should we just uh, jump, jump straight in and uh, let's start off just by um, perhaps looking at these, the, the issue that often religion um, and issues around gender identity and sexual orientation, they're often pitted against each other. Um, so what's, what's been your experience of that um, as a person of faith? Um, would like to start off the um, discussion. Yes. I suppose for me, it always feels that it's very important to say that I feel that it's a real misconception um, mm -hmm. that only the reserve of heterosexual uh, uh, people in this vastly heteronormative society. And yeah. um, Islam's message is vast, it's huge, it's uh, encompassing those values of peace, of community, of equality, of justice, of patience, of so much more. Um, and these concepts uh, apply to all uh, humanity. Um, but, you know, sadly, the media portrayals, prejudice, narrow-mindedness, create suspicion and negativity about uh, our faith and also sexual orientation. On a personal level, I find no conflict and, and, and nor do so many of us who identify as LGBTQI and Muslim. Okay, thank you. Uh, Farina, what, what's your, oh, sorry, Sarah. Okay, thank, thank you. Um, well, as I grew up, I um, knew that, uh, although I was brought up as a boy, that I, I really felt you know that I should have been a girl and so my gender identity was a big question and I did I was always quite religious I always went to church it always made perfect sense to me at an age appropriate level and so one of the things I had to deal with was uh, bluntly uh, did I think that being queer uh, was sinful and so one of the things that I did when I realized I had to you know confront if you like this this gender identity within me was to actually go on retreat. I read lots of books. I spoke to uh, clergy and um, lots of people who were uh, kind of embedded in Christianity. And um, a bit really like Anjum was saying there, um, with Christianity too, um, under the surface actually, there's much more diversity and inclusivity than may appear to be the case, you mm -hmm. know, to start with. But sometimes you do have, you do have to look for it. Mm. Yeah. Um, Delith, has that been your experience too? Yeah, it has. I mean, I've been a Christian for most of my life and my sense of God has always been that God is a God of love and a God who loves me, me for who I am as a child of God. Um, and so when I came out, which is relatively recently, it's only 12 years ago in my 46 years, um, and I came out after my marriage to a man ended, and I was already a Methodist minister by then, having been um, ordained some 15 years ago. Um, and so in, because I'd already done the theology, actually, I was already, I'd already worked out that it, and it was okay to be gay and, uh, and a Christian. Um, and I'd supported others who'd come out as gay. And so I was already there with my theological understanding that being part of the LGBTQI uh, community was all part of the rich rainbow of God's wonderful people. Although at that point, obviously, I wasn't the campaigner that um, I am now. Um, and of course, the problem is you, you come out and you're bound to lose some Christian friends who just don't understand it. And of course, that's what happened to me. And my parents really struggled with it. They're both Christians um, and it took them 
a long while to come around and accept my partner as part of the family. In fact, having a child together helped that because they were grandparents and had to get on with it. Um, and they're very, very supportive of my work now. Um, and since then, I've, you know, I've been campaigning in the Methodist Church for equality and diversity in churches. I was very, very much supported by the Methodist Church when I came out and the Methodist Church allows LGBT people at all levels of the church in theory. But the, in practice, that's a little bit more hard to, to see. Um, but yeah, so since coming out, I've been just passionate about ensuring that LGBTQI people know that God is for us. Um, and even when the wider church can sometimes be against us. Thank you very much. And Farina, what, what's been your experience? Um, so for me, Chris, I would probably say it's definitely been a journey. Um, growing up in a conservative Muslim household, the heteronormative way of life was very much something which was, you know, um, it, that is all there was. You know, you grow up, you get married, you have children. Mm -hmm. That's a narrative. Um, I knew from a very early age that I felt different, but I also knew that I couldn't explore that because of the family dynamics and because of you know the community and the religion I was in and my family as well. Um, so for a long while, I really battled with, you know, how can I call myself a Muslim and then also explore my sexuality when the two things in my mind as I was growing up are completely separate. Um, I can't be Muslim and I can't be gay. So what do I have to, what, what do I do? Um, and so in the earlier part of my life, I very much, you know, uh, I wouldn't say I led a straight life because I have no idea what leading a straight life means. But what I meant by that is that I didn't explore my sexuality. Um, and so I'd always assumed that I would also get married to a man, have children, and very much live that heterosexual life. Um, and then later on, when I went to university, as for a lot of people, I think it gave me that freedom away from the family and allowed me to explore my sexuality. But by that point, I had very much, you know, stopped believing and associating myself with the religion side of things. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like, you know, I can't hold both of these identities together. Therefore, if I'm picking up that sexuality identity, then I'm going to have to drop that religious identity and that's what I did um and actually it wouldn't it, it wasn't until really really later on I would probably even say my strongest time of when both of my uh sexual identity and my religious identity have been you know held in one kind of like hand has been more or less in the last two years year and a half um, and that's because of joining Hidayah. Um, so, you know, I attended uh, a conference uh, in February last year um, that Hidayah were a part of. And it was the first time that I was in a room with 200 other LGBT plus Muslim people. And I was overwhelmed to the point where I just sat there and I cried. I said, oh, my God, there is more. There is pe there are people out there that can absolutely feel that and be that so why can't I too so it wasn't necessarily about me losing my love for Allah or about or that but I didn't hold it you know in one hand and think yes I can be both of these people thank you and yeah. Nadia, how's your experience been 
it's um it's it's kind of a mixture of, of, of everyone's in some ways. So um, I was brought up in quite an, an Orthodox Jewish um, household. There were some contradictions. My dad wasn't very observant. My mum was a bit more observant. Uh, and I went to an Orthodox Jewish secondary school. Um, and I think I was quite lucky. Uh, and, I, and I kind of know that more now in the sense of, I knew from a really young age that I, I was not straight. That was like the term I used. If someone asked, I'd be like, I'm not straight. Um, and I think knowing that so clearly was really helpful. There are definitely other parts of my identity I don't think I know as well as not being straight. And so I think at that point, it definitely made conversations I was having with rabbis and teachers a bit more interesting because I was out at school from about the age of 15. Um, but I never really felt like I needed to reject my Judaism. I just at that time didn't feel very safe in that space. Um, and I didn't know what other spaces there would be. And it was actually through finding other youth movements um, of different denominations of Judaism where I was able to kind of see like a potential future um, where I kind of met, you know, when I was 18, I met my first uh, LGBT plus Jewish rabbi um, and, and seeing people kind of existing within Jewish spaces. Um, which I hadn't really seen before. And I think there's been a lot of work now. And I think there are lots of actually Jewish LGBT plus people who, who want to find a more uh, orthodox space for them to exist and pray. And I think, I think they're creating them as well as being created within existing structures. Um, but within, within Judaism, there are so many different understandings of what it means to, um, to practice and how to understand the text and how to observe it. And there's like a lot of culture to it as well. So there's lots of Jewish people who are very culturally Jewish and not observant. Mm -hmm. So I think I was, it was easier for me to see a space where I could, I could hold them. Um, I think it's taken a long time and I'm still kind of searching for a space where I feel really healthy in it. And that doesn't mean it doesn't exist in London. I just haven't settled because yeah. um, I mean, I'm London based. Well, I mean, I, I suppose that the, the question is saying, you know, that religion, um, however you define that, I suppose, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a topic for a whole other discussion, but religion and uh, gender identity and sexual orientation, they, they often seem to be pitted against each other. Is that necessary? Do, do they have to be? Um, it, it, I, I'm sort of getting the, uh, the impression from you that that's not necessarily the case, Sarah? Um, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I think um, from a Christian perspective, there's lots of things in, in our Holy Scripture, in, in, in the Bible, which actually we miss, but are quite countercultural. So if you, you know, take uh, the Gospel of, of uh, John, um, we have Jesus talking to a woman in Samaria at a well. And, and um, that wouldn't have really been done by a leader of the day. Mm. And where are the disciples? Well, they're off shopping, um, buying food. Um, and in fact, that wasn't, you know, again, something that, that, that would be commonplace in that time. And there's loads of instances, but we're so heteronormative, we're so conditioned that we don't see the queer places within our, within our traditions, I think. And we gloss over things. So, yeah, I don't think it needs to be there, but it is there it is there and it is really sad that people find it so difficult to connect their queerness with visible queer signs in in their religion i think what would be the experience in islam is that do you think there's necessarily a conflict uh, anjum uh, farina do you want to go ahead your majesty <laughs> 
nobody ever has actually told me that before, so thank you, Serena. Um, Are you the last company that label now for <laughs> I'm loving it. I am sat in a seat as well, so this is brilliant. Um, I, I, you know, as I said, I think that there is definitely a misconception that faith is the uh, uh, solely for the rate, 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 sort of um, uh, reserve of heterosexuals. Um, and of course, as I said, Islam's message is absolutely huge. I think there, 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 there are two uh, uh, stands to this, but you probably possibly much more than that. For me, it always runs into that strand of actually otherness. Um, and ultimately, the state, I always think, has a real vested interest in separating and frag fragmenting in any which way it can uh, people of different identities. So, of course, you know, to pit Islam and uh, sexual orientation, if you are not heterosexual against each other, I think is also something that, you know, really helps the state because it stops the unity and it stops, it stops that. So I think that that component happens. I think there's lots of that. Um, uh, uh, people feel that they can't, you know, uh, uh, religion becomes this coded way of, um, in a sense, uh, controlling somebody's sexual orientation or sexuality, um, which I think Islam doesn't give, give that. That's not what Islam uh, uh, really gives us. Um, but, you know, ultimately Islam gives us uh, uh, patience, it gives us equality, it gives us community. Um, but ultimately, uh, uh, you know, I, I feel that people take a domain, and, and particularly when it comes to, I would say, some constructs around gender. So that, you know, that component of, um, you know, if you are lesbian or if you are gay, there's something that gets attached to, uh, you know, how we gender people as well, and take control over people's gender. So I think there's a, an element of that. Okay. And some of that is cultural, I should say, as well. And, right. you know, and, and Override the religious components, I think. And untangling religion from its cultural uh, expressions. That, that's like that, regardless of, of, of the religion, that's always a, that, that's a fraught task, isn't it? Um, Janet, you, you, you um, had your hand up there. Yeah, I just, I mean, I wanted to say that for the past 10 years of leading the gathering in Cardiff, um, I've done my best to show folks that you can bring your sexuality and gender together with your faith. And in, in doing that, it can enrich and inspire your, your faith and walk with God um, because you're being uh, holistically and authentically who God created you to be. And I think that, that it's, it is unfortunate that in many arenas, um, religion and sexuality or gender are pitted against each other. And, and I think, um, that Anja makes a really good point that actually in, in men, we just like boxing things, don't we? We like to know who people are and put them in a box and leave them there because if they're not my type of person, they are the other and we don't need to deal with them because they're not us. And, and I think that's one of the things that um, we strive hard for as, as the gathering is not to see some of those Christians who might not even accept that we are Christians because we are LGBT, not to see them as the enemy but to see them as, um, as siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ and as part of God's church. And we're all on this journey and we're all working it out with God in our own individual and yet corporate way. Okay. Well, no, you, you, you sort of um, lovely sort of segue on, on, on to our, uh, on to the next question that we were 
we're going to look at. It's how has your personal experience of your sexuality and your identity, how has that uh, affected or enriched your relationship with your faith community and the expression of your religious faith? Dahlia, please. Um, yeah, I think I think it's it's made me more more creative um, because you you have to be really specific about the communities that you want to in, engage with, uh, and I think it enables you to think more creatively about how are you going to run a service and how are you going to engage with this, and it and it creates really specific communities of people with quite shared experiences. Like in the in the UK, we've had a Jewish LGBT plus social group since 1972, uh, and 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 actually you know that says something about kind of how how long Jewish LGBT plus people have been kind of organizing or socializing and really looking for that community. Linking a bit into like the previous question, I think one of the things that we've, we've definitely had kind of parts of the Jewish community being really at the forefront of LGBT plus rights in the UK. But I also think that there is a lack of trust between in like the most like homogenous and umbrella way, like faith communities and the LGBT plus community and, and vice versa. In the sense that I feel like there have been so many moments where everyone has felt really harmed and and really damaged. And when, when you know when I walk into an LGBT plus space and people are like, "But what do you mean? Like you are part of an organised religion?" Um, and there are people there who've been genuinely traumatised. So you know they don't understand why I would find peace and calm and serenity in in that space um, because of their experiences, which are are gen, you know genuine and legitimate and understandable. But I think part of you know part of the work that we do is really try to like rebuild that trust and understand that like having a conversation isn't like Twitter that we're not going to hold it against you that we're not going to hold this grudge that we we genuinely you know as an LGBT plus Jewish person I want to walk into a space and feel safe yeah. and and welcomed and able to participate and I'm not there to cause issues or make headlines or do anything like that and I think it's it's there's there's been so much damage in that in that sense of understanding that we really do exist and that we're not on the fringes that we are inside the the communities um but i think that has also then made made me have much more proactive decisions and choices about where i want to be and how i feel safe um and really yeah I feel like I'm not I'm not a complacent Jewish person, right? Like it's it's an active decision, and I think a lot of people of faith sometimes feel a bit complacent with it, and I, I definitely don't. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it something sounds like something you, you, your faith is something you've chosen, and uh, it, yeah, it, it's a, clearly a very very important part uh, of of your life. Maybe that sounds a little bit uh, trite to, to call faith a part of your life. It's you know, I think for people of faith, it's it's more than just uh, a part, isn't it? Farina, how was uh, your um, experience of, um, how, has, has your experience, you, you spoke about your history, uh, uh, how has that affected your relationship with God and your experience uh, of, of God? So for me, um, I would definitely say that my upbringing has been a mixture of saying things can't happen because of religion, but actually now having the age and the knowledge, I've very much realized I've dissected it and it's more of a cultural thing. Um, so it's unfortunate that religion and culture are often so kind of intertwined that, you know, people use culture and then brand it as a religion and say, you can't do this because God says, or, you know, because the Quran says you can't do this. So um, for me, the way that I've kind of like, you know, re-explored that is by 
taking the Quran um, and not seeing it in a very misogynistic or binary terms as to how I've grown up being taught it, but more about unlearning a lot of the things that, you know, people have said. It would have been absolutely amazing to grown up having faith leaders like Sarah and Dell, because I think we're in Islam still now, it's very male orientated, it's very misogynistic. And so a lot of the narrative that is being taught in mosques and in homes and things like that, you know, kind of has that woven into it. So, you know, I've gone out there and I've, you know, picked up books that are more kind of, you know, female orientated, talking about um, Islam in a, I'm not going to use the word modern um, per se, but looking at today's Islam and how, you know, the, the Quran is timeless. It's completely timeless. But the way in which you absorb it and the way in which you learn it, you almost have to unlearn all the things that you've grown up being told that the Quran said this and the Quran said that and finding yourself in it. And I guess for me, that's how I've enriched myself in, in really understanding how religion is very much a part of me. And, you know, much like Dahlia, it's an active choice. And I use the word choice as well because it's a part of me. So, you know, going out there now and calling myself a queer Muslim is no longer something that I've got to choose between saying. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can say both of those words together and, and people may come up to me and shock me and say, but doesn't the Islam, doesn't Islam say this? And doesn't the Quran say that? But no, actually, why don't you show me? Show me where it says that. And then I'll tell you that isn't an interpretation. That's basically what it is, right? When you take all of these texts and you read them, you're interpreting it to say that. And if you read the Quran in Arabic in its truest form and really understand the wording of it, you realize that actually the Quran is not binary. It's not male-led. And it's not saying that Islam uh, doesn't say, for example, that, you know, being homosexual is a sin. Um, so, yeah, it's very much about unlearning and interpreting it in a way that kind of like sits right with you in your heart. I'm seeing and you're nodding in agreement there. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it's absolutely, you know, our God-given right to be who we were created to be. And, yeah. you know, me has really held so much resolve. And, and, you know, there's so much power, you know, I was brought up to be who I am and to be in my faith and be free to be who I am. And I get it. The situation, you know, no doubt is very, very complex. Uh, you know, on the one hand, Muslims in the United Kingdom are under threat by an increasingly hostile environment. Um, you know, Muslim phobia is on the rise. Politicians are failing to address it. All of that is going on. The, the media is really notorious for its anti-Muslim reporting and, uh, you know, Muslims feature disproportionately in the press. And um, so it's no surprise, you know, uh, uh, Farina was talking about family and parents. I think it's no surprise that Muslim parents are defensive about uh, uh, protecting what they think are their religious I I identities. However, they're absolutely burying their heads in the sand, you know, uh, about the realities of the world. Muslims can be and are LGBTQI. Imam, we've supported thousands of them over the, you know, the last 20 years or more. And I think it is right. There is something about the, you know, as Freena was saying, and we do take Freena to be able to share that, that some of the common issues that LGBTQI Muslims face in the UK are from their own families. 
and um, they're ostracized shunned from their family forced to live double lives sometimes even pressure to marry somebody of the opposite sex ruining two lives in one go that's a real you know uh, bingo move there and um, you know but the you know there's an impact isn't there on our mental health about that so i think you know for me it's my state some things about myself i can't hide i can't hide my uh, gender and i can't hide my race um uh, you know the same bits of my identity and then people put contributions to those identities a lot of people cannot see that somebody who's uh, you know uh, uh, has my skin color and my faith can, can, can be a lesbian you know, and that, you know, in itself is tricky, but, but you know, it's like a, that, that sort of uh, lesbian phobia that I get from, from the LGBTQI community also exists. Muslim phobia also exists for me. When I'm in my Muslim, in my, you know, uh, Muslim sisterhood, when we are talking about creating inclusive mosques, there's a lot of hostility about that and about our identity. Um, uh, you know, so I think for me, you know, there is something about that, you know, uh, you know, courage, strength, unity, I really get that resolve from my faith and I get it from my sexual orientation, I get it from my uh, uh, LGBTQI uh, uh, brothers and sisters and queer and non uh, friends and supporters, it's absolutely important and difficult for me to get that. I also think in terms of, you know, the enrichment of my faith, um, you know, uh, being queer or being lesbian forces us to question our faith. Of course, it does. We, we're hearing that from everybody on on, on this panel, um, uh, you know, no doubt. And questioning, learning, reading, discussing um, uh, faith is a part of Islamic tradition. So in that respect, yes, you know, I think that, you know I've become very knowledgeable, and I certainly know for me, my 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 defence is that I do have the Qur'an written in my heart. Allah wrote that Qalma in my heart. So nobody, nobody, you know, uh, no Imam, no, 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 you know, no, no Muslim person can take my Islam away from me. Um, and, 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 and also, you know, I was made by God and I was, you know, I'm a lesbian and I've been a lesbian all my life and it's my God given right who I am. It's my God given right to get married. It's my God, you know, I'm a mother, you know, um, I, you know, I became a mother. Later on in my life, in my uh, uh, you know same sex marriage, and um, so all of these things have been a really significant journey for me, an important journey for me, and not without my faith. Okay, and Sarah, how's your experience of God changed, perhaps, through the course of your journey? Yeah. Um, well, I was sort of considering my gender identity and wondering whether I needed to make a gender change in the mid-1980s. And so there wasn't really a lot of that about, in a sense. So it felt like quite a lonely journey. And I'd been brought up as a Christian. Uh, my mum took me to church. And I was kind of rooted in the culture. So what I did was I kind of went as deep as I could into my religion um, and into my relationship with God because that was where I felt I had my fundamental worth and I mean I really did think that maybe if I made a change of gender I would never work again mm -hmm. and that um, I might be sort of totally kind of ostracized 
by society. And so what I did was I prayed more. I prayed harder. And when I was really frightened, you know, the, the first couple of times had literally, you know, stepped out and went into town and just sort of tested out how it was like to be me. I was really scared and I just kept in my mind something that Dell had has sort of raised already, which is that my fundamental identity is as a child of God. And I really thought if the world hated me or if I was ridiculed or or lost all worldly value, I I worked hard to hold to the notion that God still loved me, that I was a child of God and whatever society thought of me, actually ultimately God gave me my worth. So I prayed, I went to the Psalms and there were a lot of sleepless nights, two, three, four in the morning and I'd just sit there and I, I didn't know any particular Psalms. I just started at Psalm 1 and I kept flicking through until I found the passages where people were crying out to God out of their pain, you know, okay, fine. And so I, I, I read that and added my prayer to it. So uh, my faith deepened simply actually as a, as, as a way of kind of being connected to what I thought was the essential nature of, of my humanity. Um, now, obviously, since then, and that was a long time ago, you know, it's pretty much almost half my life now. Um, and um, so since then, I've been able to kind of move on and just enjoy the rest of my uh, relationship with God and the riches that religion gives me and spirituality gives me. But that's how it was at my time of inquiry, let's say, or my time of, of discernment about sexuality and gender. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you all very much for those answers. I, I'm just looking, uh, an eye on the time, and I'm also looking at uh, uh, all these questions we, we, we've got. I think that there's, we've touched on quite a few uh, points um, in, in many of these questions, but there's one here I, I thought it'd be important um, just to, to hear some, um, some things on. It, it's, what advice would you give to uh, an L, uh, LGBTQ plus person whose family are very religious? I've, and I suppose I'd also add to that, what, what advice would you give to that family as well? Um, now, of course, I suppose, you know, how, how you hear that question might, you know, well, maybe uh, may be coloured by your own experience in family, whether, whether it was a supportive family or not. But uh, however you want to answer that question, you know, what, what advice would you give to uh, an LGBTQ plus person in a religious family? Uh, and what advice would you give to that family from your own faith traditions? Dahlia, please. I would say, firstly, to come out when they feel safe. Mm -hmm. um, and even though that can feel really frustrating and really slow and painful, that them centering themselves and coming out when they feel they are able to, whether that be to a friend or a family member or a teacher, whoever it might be, for that to be uh, something that they do when they feel really ready um but that choosing one person and being really clear that you don't want them to talk to someone else is also really okay um and that coming out is something that you will end up doing probably whilst we live in this society many times in your life um but when it comes to their family to do that when when you feel like you're not putting yourself into, into danger but that not not only that but there are support systems and people and communities all over the uk whether they be LGBT plus specific, whether it be the Albert Kennedy Trust or um, uh, Stonewall Housing or other organizations like that, if you're, you need to get out of that space, but also Jewish spaces and synagogues and individuals and communities like organizations like Laviot, the Jewish LGBT plus group, 
Emma Hobbit of what. Um, you can find out about all of them kind of on our website if you want. But that Jewish LGBT plus people, allies, religious leaders, educators exist, and that we're there to support and help find community. Um, but that patience that you might require. And then to the family, the thing that I would say is what outcome do you want when it comes to your family? Which sounds a bit businessy or whatever else, but it's the genuine question of, do you want a relationship with, with your children? Um, and if so, what expectations have you put upon them or do you still hold on to that are worth holding on to and then not having that relationship? Um, and that can take time and it can take considered and it can take you being silent rather than saying something harmful um, to really understand what relationship you want but that being religious doesn't mean that you shouldn't be caring and loving towards your child. Um, mm -hmm. I think the compromises that people have to make, you have to work out as an individual, whether they are compromises that are worth making for you and setting those boundaries that if someone breaks them, you walk away. Um, but that takes time and years and, and hopefully lots of joy, but often lots of pain as well. Um, but being religious doesn't automatically mean they won't be, their heart won't be full of love because I think religious communities and, and particularly actually I want to say it's like, yeah, religious communities can often be so full of love. Um, and it, and I think that's something that's like a misconception around if you're more orthodox or you're more religious, depending on religion you are, um, that there's a misconception that they're, they're not full of love. And actually, I think that's often the thing that LGBT plus Jewish people who leave those communities who are forced to. So when I say, you know, forced to choose in our kind of our mission statement, I say forced because it's not a real choice. You end up a bit broken. You end up walking through the world in this very uh, torn up way. But the thing they miss is the love. They miss the love and the compassion that was shown to them and is in that community. So I wouldn't automatically assume that the reaction will be bad, but to come out when you feel safe. Thank you very much. Thank you. Dalia, what, what, what would uh, your advice be? Oh my goodness, Dalia's just said it all so beautifully, I think. And I think that that, that relates across uh, faiths and across religion. Um, find only do it when you are safe. That's, uh, that's got to be the first one because your own safety, your own mental health, your, your own um, belief in yourself needs to be your primary uh, mm -hmm. focus. Um, and yeah, find somebody, find somebody, anybody, whether they're online or whether they're in a support group, as, as Dalia suggested, or whether it's a, a friend or somebody in your uh, faith community who you can trust and who you know will be at least sympathetic and loving towards you, even if they may struggle. Um, and, and then I would say, don't, once you've kind of got over the shock of coming out, don't be afraid to talk about it, I think, is a, is a really good one, uh, especially with family um, who may, it, it is the most difficult thing to, talk, to sit down, you know, and some of the questions my mother asked you would make everybody blush, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but, um, but it is really important to talk, to try and help them understand. And, and from your own perspective, make sure you know what your Kind of theological understanding of your position of your of your faith is yeah. um and how to because all all i really needed to do with my folks and 
um, certainly was just to show them how some of the passages in the Bible can be interpreted as, as I as I think Farina was saying earlier in um, in terms of the Quran can be interpreted in in many different ways and and uh, and it, the Bible does not necessarily say what everybody thinks the Bible says um, about homosexuality and and just enabling people to have those eyes opened to how it actually it can be different in the Methodist Church of which I'm a minister um, we have the Wesleyan quadrilateral which is about tradition experience reason and scripture and we use all of them to interpret what what is going on around us and so when, when your experience is that you're loved by God and you are a Christian you you view everything it, and in the light of that experience, whether you're looking at scripture, whether you're looking at tradition or culture, as, as Farina and Angie might call it, um, or, or whether you're thinking about, about it from reasonable terms. So, yeah, definitely look for those who will support you. Farina, let me just change the question slightly for you. What do you think God's <laughs> advice would be? Say that again, sorry? What, what do you think God's advice? What would God say? What do you think God um, I would definitely, uh, in, in my mind, uh, God will say that um, I created you and I created them mm -hmm. uh, in my image and this is how they are. Yeah. So, you know, from a parent's point of view, you know, if a parent is a little bit like, much like my own parents when I came out to them, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. um, and me feeling like, what have I done wrong or what do I need to change to me to, for me to be straight? that narrative out and very much believing that God made me how I am and you know and pushing that kind of like you know uh, toward the parent and toward the the child as well towards the you know the person that wants to come out um we uh, at Hidayah get emails on a you know and contact on a daily basis where people are saying to us you know I am X years old, um, and they could be as younger than their teens, they could be in their 50s, 60s, and they could have been married, grown up, you know, living a very heterosexual life, um, and they've never told anybody that they're gay before or that they are bi or trans. Um, and this is the first time that they are actually admitting to themselves that they feel this way. The very first time. And sometimes for some people, that's enough. Just writing those words, sending them out into the ether, not necessarily expect, expecting a response, but just owning the fact that they themselves have said that. And that is powerful within itself, right? Yeah. Mm, you know, touching upon, again, like times three, uh, what Dahlia said, um, support, uh, and also making sure that they are safe. Um, so that's always our number one. You know, when people talk to us about... Um, wanting to come out or about for example leaving their homes or about telling their families you know our number one and our number 100th will always be are you safe are you safe in which to do so because it's unfortunate right that for us to live our authentic true lives we have to question our safety first like how many non-lgbt plus people have to think about their safety before they say i'm straight nobody yet we do and that within itself is so saddening. And, you know, faith and God, um, Allah has said to you that, you know, I've made you how you are. So if Allah has made me how I am, then there is no wrong in that. Nobody can question that whatsoever. Um, 
so yeah it's uh, safety definitely is a big thing and support you know um and also there is really great two organizations not so much to plug but flag um flag are a really good organization in the uk that helps support parents um and also nas and match foundation as well help support parents um of people who have come out um so from a pa parental perspective if they feel as though they have questions and they want to ask other people you know i would really recommend those two organizations specifically for you know uh parental kind of like support but yeah i mean contact us too we funnily enough had a parent the other day who contacted us sorry to go on on a little yeah. bit but it was so it actually made me cry i had a mother email us and said um i am muslim um my son um is struggling with his sexuality i can't help him um and i know that he really needs that help and support can you please help him i never in a million years would have ever have thought a parent coming to hidayah and saying not the fact that you know you are a sin or you're an abomination and i and you know you should not exist but more the other way a parent saying to please help my son because i as a, as a person can't you know it was amazing um, Sarah, what, what would, what's your advice, or perhaps what's God's advice from your perspective? Uh, honestly, I think when most of the great advice has already been yeah. said, I, I, I think it's been done. I think everyone who's mm. spoken before me has, has really aced it. And uh, my big advice then would be to play this tape back as often as they <laughs> need it and just write down everything that Dahlia, Delith and Farina have said because um, it's uh, it's spot on. But I would just add, don't give up on your faith community. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have to search for it. The first people you reach out to may not be helpful and they may mm -hmm. be anti. Get away from there. Uh, find places that you can go to because you can be helped in your journey. Yeah. Uh, may I just come in there and say, don't yeah. give up on God yeah. because it's people mm -hmm. who sometimes get it very, very wrong when they're talking to you. But mm. that's not God. Yeah. And Andrew, it looks like you've got the last word in uh, well, I, I think, you know, I think it's gold. What's been said is absolute gold. And, you know, uh, just to let you know, the flag, I was absolutely going to say that. They sent my mum way back when we were talking uh, uh, sort of uh, maybe, you know, sort of mid-90s, early 90s. They sent my mum some information. And... Um, and it, it was just a, a remarkable shift and a change in her. Um, and I, you know, sort of, so those things just really important community groups, certainly from Imam, we also do speak, um, uh, to, you know, get lo lots of emails from parents wanting to support their children and wanting to actually be able to offer that support from a, uh, a you, know, com com you know, from a community support background, knowing that their child might be isolated. So like there, we also get those emails. Um, I, I would say it's really, really critical, as Sarah and, and, and Alyssa said, um, and, and Dahlia and, and Farina as well. For me, I think just find your personal connection with Islam. Nobody has the monopoly on Islam, not parents, not family, no country, and, and, and not even the wider Muslim community. Nobody has a monopoly on Islam. Find your uh, connection with it. Live in your connection with that. And I think, as everybody has said, uh, uh, find it safely. It, it might not be the, the first 
steps that you take might not be, they may well be, you, you, you know, who knows, we might have a fully inclusive mosque, um, as they do in other parts of the world, in the United Kingdom too, so absolutely do that, don't, don't give up on, on, on God, don't give up on Allah, don't give up on your faith, which is part of your identity, and everybody has the right to be in their full and best potential, and live their full and best life. On that note, Anjum, Farina, Sarah, Delith, Dahlia, thank you so much for your time. It's been a fascinating conversation and I've, uh, we could have carried this on, I think, for uh, quite a bit longer. I, I know I've learned so much from all of you and, and your experiences. Thank you very much for, uh, for your sharing uh, this afternoon. Uh, God bless you all in your journeys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Really good to meet you all. And I, I hope we can stay in touch. Really, really good to meet you all. And um, yeah, we're, we're having an Imam festival as well. So please do come to that. Um, I, 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 I'll certainly uh, let, let them know to send you some information. Thank you so much. Good to meet you. Good to Thank hear. you very much. Thank you all.